Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live with another episode of the best little parenting show on the internet, The Post Daily Dose. Hope y'all are doing fine and dandy today. I am. I'm enjoying this beautiful spring weather we have here in Oklahoma, getting out a little bit, getting my lawnmower repaired, getting it all ready to go, you know? So uh, let me plug these books real quick. Brian's book, From Fear to Love, that you can get on promotion, $7.95. $7.95, you can pick this book up. And when you buy it on the promotion page, you also immediately get an audio version of the book. So you don't even have to wait for me to ship it to you. You can listen immediately. Uh, And there's also a bonus, uh, I'm not sure if it's a webinar or podcast. I'll have to go back and look at that. It's been a while. But that promotion site is feartolovebook.com. And then we also have this great workbook that goes along with it. This workbook is available in print on Amazon. And it should be stocked right here in my hot little hands in the next couple of weeks. So I've actually already got it on the website. So you can buy it at postinstitute.com or on Amazon. And then, of course, this book right here, The Great Behavior Breakdown. Uh, you can get that on postinstitute.com as well as Amazon. So let's get into our topic today. Um, you know, choice theory is, a, I, I use that term, um, that phrase, like, you know, um, I guess you could have made a better choice. <laughs> that just didn't work out for you very well. Um, trying to teach our children to make good choices. Um those, that, that phrasing, that terminology, why doesn't the Post Institute use that? Um, why doesn't the Post Institute teach emotional management skills like anger management, depression management? And here's the reason. It's a real simple, it's real simple. It's really so simple. Why we don't go down that path is because when we are stressed, Our thinking is distorted and confused and our short-term memory is suppressed. Um, In order for choice theory or skill development classes to really be effective, the, the amount of repetition it would take in order for that to be solidified in the brain as a new neurological pathway um, is, is well, well past the number of sessions that most of the skill classes would have. So uh, what we know from science is that pre-birth and early life trauma affects certain hormones in the brain. It affects um, cortisol, which is the stress hormone. There tends to be a lot more cortisol, the stress hormone, uh, for people who have experienced trauma, uh, that it affects dopamine, serotonin, uh, glutamine and GABA specifically. Those are things that have been noted. Those things affect our sleep. It affects our mood. Uh, it affects our ability to have a stable mood, to have stable emotions. 
those, those hormones are all related to the emotional regulatory system. Uh, we also know it affects the structures of the brain. It affects the um, neurotransmitters. It affects the prefrontal cortex, which is part of our uh, top, what they call top-down thinking, it's like those decision-making skills. Well, we're, de- we're dealing with a, 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 the possibility of a prefrontal cortex that has been damaged or is having maybe some delays in development because of trauma. We know it affects the hypothalamus and we know trauma affects the amygdala. And I am sure that as our as our as science gets better at being able to identify different just like the the idiosyncrasies, the 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 fine tuning in the brain that we're gonna learn more and more because all of it, you know, it's designed and uh, the designing of the brain is so incredible. You know, it's designed to have all this connectivity. Like I think of it sort of like a maybe like a spider web where it's all connected. It's all connected. And so one thing gets affected, it affects other things. But one of the things that's also remarkable is that our brains have this really great way of um, of trying to compensate for any areas that there may be uh, a sense of lack. <laughs> Joni says, hurry up, science. Yes, yes, I couldn't agree more. Hurry up, science, and help us out. Um, not only hurry up, science, and help us out to understand, but um, come on, humanity. <laughs> come on, humanity. Haven't we not figured out that when we are hurting littles, when we're hurting in the womb, when we're hurting babies, that there is a long-term significant effect on those human beings, on those human beings for their lifespan? Like, come on, humanity, let's do better. We can do better than this. Hurt comes from hurt comes from hurt, but I'll tell you, and I know that, and I know that that's not for everyone. I know that there are there are many, many people who have experienced hurts and experienced trauma and they do things where they like, they're they're very intentional to do something the complete opposite. So I don't want to perpetuate the myth that all hurt people hurt people because many people have been hurt and have rose to places of like teaching like Brian, you know, having this message and teaching people. But um, a lot of times, you know, we go to those places of, you know, and I'm not saying that anger management classes don't have value. And I'm not saying choice theory doesn't have value. I mean, you know, if we're in a place where the amygdala is calm and we can have a, a calm conversation about the choice a person made, but instead of like persecuting them for that choice to just really be able to calmly talk with them about what do you, you know, what was, what did you feel? What what did you feel in your mind-body system when you made that decision? Um, helping people get more connected to their, the messages that their body's sending. That's a big deal, you know. You know, when your heart's racing. And I was just talking to a family. Uh, actually, it was in our consultation last night. I was, we were talking about, um, how many kids, uh, young kids, when you're tell when you're telling them no about something, and the disappointment of no just pulls on this thread of deep despair, and they plummet into these really desperate emotions, and you know a huge meltdown can happen. And if we're not careful, we can really um, we can be very discounting of that. Like 
really pushing, like just, you know, just kind of get over it. But what we don't realize is that's pulling on this deeper thread and also that regression and how it takes time for them to recover so that their brains can get back online. And it led me to tell a story about how my daughter and I, about, oh, it's probably been four or five years ago now, we were at Sprint taking care of some phone business and they had the music going and, you know, the Sprint store feels so hip. You know, they got the lights and they got the electronics and I'm going to be honest, he was a cute and very suave salesperson and we made our purchase or we were making our, doing the things that we needed to do with our phone. And then he talked to me about this incredible speaker that we were listening to this music from. And we were just vibing, you know, we were just having a great time at the Sprint store. And he starts talking about how you can, how great this speaker is and how it's mobile. So don't always have to be plugged in and how uh, they could just put it on my Sprint phone bill and it's only going to increase my phone bill for $40 for three months. You won't even notice. And there I went. I mean, my brain felt like it was in Party City. Woo, Party City, right? Not a good time. Not a good time to make a purchasing decision. I'm glad we really like that speaker. I'm glad we've kept it. I, I don't regret the purchase, but that is not normally how I like to make purchases. And so it was a great reminder for me, anybody's brain can get hijacked. And in that moment of hijack, we are not making the most rational decisions. We're not necessarily making the best choices. It can happen to anybody. And if it can happen to anybody, then you can imagine if you're a person who has uh, maybe some faulty wiring, maybe there's been some impact to the structures of your brain, and we all know in times of stress, our thinking is distorted and confused, and our short-term memory is suppressed. So these are reasons why in the Post Institute, we don't focus on choice theory. We don't focus on teaching anger management classes because in the moment, it's going to be really hard to pull that information up. And I find sometimes if we're not careful and we do these kinds of teachings and then in the moment they can't pull it up, then they can actually feel really guilty and ashamed and it can interfere even more with the process of healing at the brain level that we're trying to create. So that's why we focus so much on relationship. That's, that's, that's why every night I tell you guys, if you haven't already done so, to set aside everything you've been teaching, everything you've been fussing about, everything you've been correcting about, set it all aside, press pause, go give yourself some time in, whatever that looks like for you, some rest, or go sit on your step and enjoy the sunshine, and then go spend some time with your children. Let the love that you have for them, let it shine from your eyes. Let them feel it from your energy and let them lead in the play. You'll learn so much from them. Learn so much from them. And that time in where you're really pouring into them and you're, you know, like noticing their cool, unique characteristics, their smile, the way they try to help, their cute little personality, their sense of humor, 
very specific quali qualities in them that you see and speaking life over them, that's actually building a part of their brain that wasn't well built earlier in life. So when pathways early in life, when pathways aren't used on a regular basis, they begin to, they don't, they don't disappear, but they begin to close down. And the pathways that are used get built stronger. So we have pathways for this hormone called oxytocin. That is what is released when we're playing and loving with them. Our oxytocin gets going and their oxytocin gets going. People call it the love hormone, the cuddle chemical. But let me tell you, it's the magic formula because oxytocin helps to modulate the stress hormone cortisol. So oxytocin actually helps our thinking be more clear. It actually would help being able to pull up some skill manage, some skill classes. It might actually help build to be able to make better choices. But until I focus on building the oxytocin release mechanism, then I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to focus on those things yet. So it's first things first. And relationship, relationship is the pathway to all these other things that you're hoping to be able to build and create in your child. I'm going to read these comments real quick. Uh, let's see. Hey, Hannah. It's so good to see you. I hope you're having a beautiful day today. Maureen, my beautiful friend. Thank you. It's so great to see you. I hope you and Peter are doing well. Let's see, Joni said, my son is scared of water. I'm thinking it could have been a negative women experience. It may be. Um, Joni, I know some kids do better with a bath, um, especially children who have tactile sensitivity. Uh, my nephew used to say the shower felt sharp. So the shower, the shower sprinkles felt sharp to his skin. He did much better using a bath and... Not only did he do better using a bath, but it was all about the ritual. Um, so the ritual of the bath made a huge difference for him. And don't you dare try to go outside the ritual. That inflexibility, inflexibility uh, can be a real thing for people who've experienced trauma, right? That rigidity, that being really married to the routines because it gives them such a sense of mastery. It helps them predict. It helps them not feel so out of control and fizzle frazzled at the brain level. So his routine was Mimi would go and run the bath and um, usually it would be really hot and he would wait till the end of the show and by the end of the show it would be cooled down. She would have to go test it of course and then uh, it was five, four, three, two, one, blast off, arms up, shirt off, run to the bathroom as fast as you can. <laughs> and he would hop in the tub and it was almost as hard for him to make the transition out of the tub, which I found to be really interesting. And later when he became a teen, taking a shower became much less of a big deal. So it's good that you recognize it, recognize the fear, um, depending on his age and preferences. There's nothing wrong with sitting right in there with him while he's taking his bath. Maybe he needs your company for a while or maybe, um, you know, maybe he needs different toys or, um, you know, I really think keeping him company is probably going to be even better than toys at first. So whatever that fear is, 
Um, we don't always have to know what the root of the fear is, um, but we do know that it's there and helping to create soothing around it in whatever creative ways that you can. Um, take snacks. I used to feed Marley snacks. We'd have a little, like a little fruit tray <laughs> on the edge of the bathtub. You know, we'd play, um, we'd play a spa and um, I had a nickname. My, my spa name was Mama Mia. Mama Mia's spa and I tried to have a French accent, which was terrible. So in any way that you can inject fun, uh, let's see, he's 11. Well, we know at 11, um, it may sound odd, uh, you know, because 11 sounds kind of old, but we know for our kids, when we stress, we regress. And so you meet that emotional age wherever he is, and it's okay. And if he needs you to keep you keep him company, but you need to preserve his privacy, you can do that. You just turn back. You know, turn your back and read a book to him or what, you know, whatever. Maybe he needs music. Explore it. That's the whole point. Explore explore um, and see what routine is going to work. Um, Julie says, oh, it's so easy to go the choice model. Must remind myself to stop saying things like, why are we choosing, why are you choosing to blank or you can make a better, bake. she can't, she really, really can't, right? <laughs> right, 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 Julie, she can't. Not yet, not not yet, but as her brain gets more calm, yeah. And, you know, when you can lovingly point out, you know, and I think it's a valid question if it's coming out of that, that energy. You know, it's that, like we talked about from January, the whole month of January, we talked about the position of your heart, working on ourselves, working on our own time in and our self-care so that we don't get so short fused so that our bandwidth, our window of tolerance is greater. So from the position of your heart, being able to say, help me understand how that choice made sense to you. And then listen, listen to what they say, because there may be something from her perspective that really does make sense, especially depending on her history. Like, you know, my son used to make choices that to me did not make much sense. But when I took into account that during significant parts of his development, he literally lived on the street, literally lived on the street as a small child, then that caused me to have a very different understanding about the choices he made. And sometimes the choices are like, uh, like coping skills, you know, coping mechanisms. We develop coping mechanisms in one situation, right? And then we end up in a very different situation, but the coping mechanisms, they just follow right along. They're like our habits that kept us safe. And sometimes they outlive their usefulness. And so sometimes that can even apply to like the choices and decisions that they make. Uh, Kieran said, mine has trouble with showers. He needs the right temperature, a soft washcloth, that is not scratchy and likes to take a shower in a warm bathroom after someone else has taken a shower. I think it's beautiful that you recognize all those needs. And to me, those needs all sound directly related to um, like tactile sensitivity. It makes me wonder, does he prefer soft clothes, soft t-shirts? Does he prefer to not have tags in the back of his shirt? So a lot of those things... You know, when you see it in one area, you also see it in other 
other areas. So thanks, you guys, for joining with me today and chopping it up a little bit. I hope there's something that came out of it that's beneficial. Rewind, go back, make sure and spend that 30 minutes to an hour with your babies just loving on them, loving on them. It didn't have to be time that you're teaching them about anything. Just go play, wrestle, play chase, play tag, shoot some hoops, play some catch, uh, flop in the bed and read a book, flop in the bed and watch some TV together, watch their cartoons with them. Or maybe you have cartoons that you guys like to watch together. Caillou was one of my favorites and Bear in the Big Blue House. Those are ones that Marley and I still like to watch together. So things that are relaxing, comforting, soothing, and the more touch that you can involve in that as long as it's safe touch, loving touch, and it's touch that your child is comfortable with. Touch is a beautiful avenue to create that comfort and soothing that we're looking for. So much love to you guys. And remember, in any given moment, we can act out of our blueprints of stress, of fear, and overwhelm, and we can take one to two to three deep breaths. We can choose love. Much love to you guys. Have a blessed evening. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Join us live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.